Good evening. Um, tonight we will have two readings. Um, the first will be in Exodus chapter 19, and you can find that on page 60 in the Church Bible. So, Exodus chapter 19, and we'll be looking at verse 1 to the first half of verse 9. Exodus 19. On the third new moon, after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai, and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain, while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people, and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and may also believe you forever. Now, for the second reading, uh, we will turn to Hebrews chapter 10. So that's page 1006 on the Church Bible. Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 10. So pardon me, that's 1007, uh, sort of just the next page. Um, so we are looking at chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Thank you very much, Andrew, and to our musicians, and to Will for leading. Now, over the next four Sunday nights, our theme is going to be what is so special about Sundays. Uh, it'll embrace what we do, what we are doing when we're here, but also why we are doing it. And uh, I want to uh, put out the title, What's So Special About Sundays, um, with um, huge expectation. And as you see on the service sheet, um, exciting stuff, question mark, exclamation mark. Because um, it is, and we get the benefit as preachers of wrestling and studying and thinking through these series in advance, and uh, this stuff is just, just uh, great. 
What's so special about Sundays? Let me tell you what happens uh, on a Sunday. So one of the great joys for the ministry associates is they get to open up the building um, at some unearthly hour in the morning. It was nice over summer, but now we're back in temp-time rhythm. It's uh, really, really early. Folks meet together to pray, and there's a kind of hubbub around the church as all the different groups who are uh, doing Sunday club, whatever, uh, are, are setting up. Little stars, all the little chairs go out and, and all the rest of it. And uh, given our current status in the building, the rooms change every week, so it keeps us all on our toes. And then people start to arrive, not awfully early, usually. Uh, people start to arrive, and it's a very powerful thing. In this building, you can really see it because there aren't too many other people on the streets, people walking to church. They park the cars to walk to church. And then somebody comes right up to the door and drops somebody off like royalty. This morning it was Pat Hunter and Rosalind Robertson. They got dropped off like royalty at the front door. Folks come in and they're greeted at the door. And that greeting is genuine and loving. People are glad to see them. One of the elders said to a family this morning that I don't think had been in church, they said, come on in, don't be afraid. We'd love to have you here. Lovely welcome. Then folks come upstairs and they come in here and uh, about 9.35 or thereabouts, uh, let's see if we can do better this year. The band strikes up and we sing and we sing. And as we sing, we sing to one another and we sing to God together. And the word of God dwells in our hearts as we sing. God has made Christians a singing people. Singing is a good thing. Singing is a joyful thing. And then we hear God's word which is primarily why we're here. The kids get taught God's word after the service. The kids go out and play and do things to benches. Uh, you may wonder why none of the benches have seats on them anymore. Um, I don't quite know why. They play outside and people are, are, are greeting outside and folks go out to make sure that people don't go away without being spoken to and there's tea and there's coffee and uh, folks have people back for lunch. One of you had 16 people for lunch today, which is pretty ambitious uh, and pretty special. And I heard that somebody stayed till six o'clock. <laughs> and then we're back again. Many of us are back for a second time, some for the first time today. Folks have done different things during the day. And we're gathering again to listen to God. And afterwards, people will speak and chat. And all over the day, all over the day, People in a church family are aware of who is in need and who is suffering and who is struggling, and they speak to them, they encourage them, they ask how they are, they put their food in it, they love each other. And then we go home about nine o'clock. And there are probably a few meetings go on afterwards in folks' homes, a few texts, all the rest of it. And then we're done for a Sunday. Now, when I'm saying that, I run the risk of describing something that is not the experience of everybody in this local church. But one of the great desires we have through this series is that it will be. And that is a combination of all those for whom that is their experience, embracing and loving and caring for others. And those who are perhaps feeling on the edges of things. To take seriously and to be confident that this is your church and you belong 
and you have an important part to play in the dynamic of this church family. What's so special about Sundays? Now, as a local church, as an assembly or congregation, you see, well, I've just described the reality, the practice. What does the Bible say? Are we getting it right? As a local church, an assembly or congregation of people gathered by God, that's what a local church is. Church just means assembly. Ecclesia means assembly. We're an assembly of people gathered by God. Sundays are special because we get to meet together in person. We do it other times in the week, but Sundays are special because we get to meet together in person. But for what purpose? Why are we doing this? Well, fundamentally, to experience and to enjoy the first fruits or a foretaste of what the new creation is like. Yes, in an imperfect way, in a now but not yet way. A living local church, warts and all, is the prototype of the new creation. Now that's a big deal. It really is a big deal. It's a massive deal. And and we're all thinking, us, really? Us, yes. Um, I've written down here, wow. I don't usually say wow. This motley bunch. You and me, an outpost of heaven, the closest thing in this city other than all the other living gospel churches to eternity, to the new creation, a foretaste, a living local church unlike anywhere, anything else in the world. And meeting together in person reveals that to us and to the watching world. No wonder the writer to the Hebrews says, we are not to neglect meeting together. Now, there is a lot to take in, and there will be over these weeks, and it will take us, I think, a few weeks, perhaps all of the four weeks, to get our heads around all of this. But how worthwhile it will be, not simply that we are all in agreement because we learn from the Bible what it is we are to do when we come to church on a Sunday, but why we're here and what the dynamic is, what the supernatural dynamic is. What are we? Who are we as a church? And if we grasp that stuff, our attitude to our local church will change. I mean, let me, I'll be honest, there are times that I have come to church And sad to say, even times when I'm a minister, that I have not come with the right attitude. And part of that is because your heart is out of sync, but part of that is because you don't understand what it is, what we are. What it means to belong to a living gospel local church. And as we understand more and more of that, our desire and delight in meeting together will grow. And we will realize that we all matter. Each one of us, you and me, to the local church where we belong. We don't go to a local church. We belong to one. We belong because God has gathered us. Gathered us together, not only reconciling us to himself, but to one another. 
the household or family of God. That is what a local church is. That is what it means to belong. Now, I really am excited about this series. I haven't waggled on the tea as long as that in ages. It's extraordinary what we are. And the devil, the prince of this world, wants to blur our sight. He doesn't want us to grasp the reality of who we are. But when we do, it's a wonderful thing. Let's pray that we will. Lord Jesus, we pray that over these coming weeks, we will fully understand what it means to be part of the local church. And what this ordinary motley bunch that we are in this local church, gathering together through the week and gathering together on Sundays across the different services, what is the significance of that? Who are we? And what does it mean to belong? And we ask all of this humbly, prayerfully, earnestly, and with excitement in our minds and hearts. Teach us, we pray, from your word, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, you'll see on the service sheet, if you have a look at the back of that, if you've got one, uh, the title of the series is What is So Special About Sundays? But in order to answer that, uh, we need to understand what is so special about a local church. By local church, just a congregation like uh, Chalmers and others in the city. What is so special about a local church? Now, to answer that, we need to understand the place or significance of the local church, or more accurately, local churches all over the world. What is the place or significance in God's purposes for humanity in the world of local churches, living gospel churches scattered all over this city, this country, the United Kingdom, Europe, and the world? What's it all about? Now, the storyline of the Bible, which is the story of God's dealing with humanity and the rest of His creation, or if you like, the history of humanity in the world and all that is still to happen, that story is about God remaking broken humanity and a broken world. So God's purposes when he looks at this broken world and broken humanity, is to remake it, to re-image it, to redeem it. And that is because the consequence of humanity's rejection of God is not only a broken relationship with God, but a broken relationship with one another. And in our culture, our Western culture or British culture, in periods of history where there has been a return to God or a fidelity to God, or a confidence in the Word of God, or a strong belief in Jesus, our society has been marked by our parallel cohesion or community or stability or family, if you like. And that is not what we are experiencing in society today. And the reason for that is that the more arrogantly and determinedly we live independently of God rather than in dependence on Him, the more, not less, fractured individualistic our society becomes. And fundamental constituent parts of a cohesive society, like the family, are given far less worth. 
Now, people write about this. People like Francis Fukuyama. I once read his book on, it's called Trust. It's about that thick. I read the beginning and the end and the back cover. And he speaks very powerfully about the breakdown of trust in Western society and as a consequence, the breakdown of social cohesion, social capital, togetherness. Or a fascinating book by an American uh, sociologist um, that I have, uh, his name is Robert Putnam, and his book is entitled Bowling Alone. His thesis is people used to go bowling with their friends, now they go bowling alone. The individualistic culture and mind. Accurate observations, but devoid of solutions. And the pandemic has given further impetus to this isolationism, breakup of community. But like a diamond on a black cloth, God's purpose is to remake this broken world. How does he do that? By a gathering a people. By gathering a people who are redeemed as his very own. Now, if you look at the service sheet, you'll see there uh, the heading, what is so special about a local church? And we'll get to this in a minute. The local church, a church like Chalmers, is central, central to God's plan to remake the broken world. And God's plan to remake a broken world is all about gathering a redeemed people. Now, we'll get to the purpose of this church, local churches, living churches, in a minute. God's plan is to remake a broken world by gathering a people to himself. Now, let me just trace uh, that uh, storyline through the Bible. Now, let's begin by gathering uh, a promised. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. We'll just touch on a few different Bible verses. Genesis chapter 12 is a, a foundational promise in the Bible. A foundational promise all about God's plan to remake this broken world by gathering a redeemed people to himself. The Lord said to Abram, Genesis 12 verse 1, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That is a foundational promise in the Bible, in God's purposes to remake this broken world by gathering to himself a redeemed people. It begins the promise with a nation gathered together by God, and then that nation will extend to all the families, all the peoples of the earth. In other words, the promise right at the beginning of the Bible, right at the start of God's purposes to remake humanity, included the nation of Israel, but beyond that, and always to cover all the families of the earth. Now, gathering promised is foundational, and then secondly, gathering foreshadowed in Israel. Now, Exodus, let me just read this, don't look it up. Exodus 1 to 7 is a marker to show the promise being fulfilled. Let me just read that to you. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gan, and Asher, 
All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. 70 persons at the start. That was the redeemed people of God. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, his brothers, and all their generations. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew strong. So the land was filled with them. And you see how God's promise, God's promise to remake a broken world by gathering a redeemed people began with a promise and ones and twos and threes and four and a generation and a generation. And then the passage that uh, Andrew read from Exodus chapter 19, verses 1 to 9. It's a very powerful and seminal passage in the Bible. It describes how God, having rescued his people from slavery in Egypt, through the blood of the sacrificed lamb that meant the angel of death passed over them, gathered his people at Mount Sinai to speak to them. Now let's just pause. Here we are in Exodus chapter 19. And already we can see that what constitutes the redeemed community is that they are gathered by God under the blood of the Lamb and under the Word of God. Right back then, what constitutes the redeemed community is that they are gathered by God under the blood of the Lamb and under the Word of God. Now let's come forward to the church, and we're going at breakneck pace through the Bible. Let's come forward to the church, and the title I've given to that is Gathering Realized, Jesus Church. You see the line through Scripture, gathering promised, gathering foreshadowed in Israel, and then gathering realized in Jesus Christ and His uh, church. And whenever you see the word church, the church just means gathering or ecclesia or body of people. Now, the church, the gathering that is in Christ, is far, far better than anything that has ever come before. It is a better covenant. It's far, far better primarily for this one reason alone, that Jesus Christ's saving death opens up the gateway to God, our relationship with him, it is not through a priest, it is not through a sacrifice, it is uh, within us in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, here's John chapter 12, verse 32, Jesus speaking, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth on the cross, will draw all people to myself. In other words, all those who believe in Jesus Christ will be drawn to him through the cross. And then uh, also, in Hebrews 10, 19 to 25, the passage Andrew read, that wonderful, wonderful passage about how uh, even as we sit here tonight, we can have confidence to enter the holy place because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so the, uh, uh, God's plan to remake a broken world by gathering a redeemed people is realized, comes to fruition is fulfilled in the church of Jesus Christ. Birthed through his death and his resurrection and the giving of the Holy Spirit. Now, the next bit's really important. And if you've fallen asleep, well, you won't be hearing me, will you? 
just nudge the person next to you. Okay? Now, when the Bible speaks about the church, Jesus' church, it speaks about a now and a not yet. So with Jesus and his coming and his death and his resurrection and his ascension and his glorification and the giving of the Holy Spirit, we're in the last lap. But there's a now and a not yet. Now turn to Ephesians. We're going to just look this one up. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10, and chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Are they extraordinary, extraordinary statements? Ephesians is a letter about the church, primarily about local churches, and almost always when the New Testament speaks about the church, it means local churches, churches like Chalmers and other living churches scattered across the world. Ephesians 1, 9 to 10 describes the not yet bit, the future, the new creation, where it all heads in the end. Let's read it. Ephesians 1 verse 9, making known to us the mystery of God's will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. So what's God's plan for the fullness of time? To unite all things in him, things in heaven and things in earth. In other words, that God will live with his gathered redeemed people in a new creation for eternity. That's the not yet. Now let's consider the now. Uh, turn to Ephesians 3, verses 9 and 10. And uh, just as you do that, note the order. The not yet uh, precedes the now in Ephesians because we need to have the not yet in our minds as we live out the now. That makes sense. So not just... Don't get confused and lost and, and worried about the not yet and miss the, the now and miss the not yet. Have the not yet in your mind. Here's the now. Ephesians 3, 9 to 10. And Paul has just been talking about how Jew and Gentile are reconciled in the gospel. And he says, Ephesians 3, verse 9, to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, and that is local churches, it's not a universal reference here, it's local churches. Through the church, now, now, that's now, right now, here we are in the middle of this. Uh, Ephesians 3, 9 and 10 is being fulfilled in Chalmers and other living gospel churches in the world. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God, and that means the reconciliation of Jew and Gentile, or different people, the reconciliation of humanity to God and to one another that you only see in a local church might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now that's the now. Let me just summarize that. The not yet is the unity of all things under Christ. All redeemed people gather together in a new creation with Christ in their midst. The not yet is local churches, groups of people gathered together by God under the blood of Christ, under the word of Christ, 
Local churches like Chalmers and other living gospel churches scattered all over the world. That is the now. That is the, the, the now and the, the not yet is they will all be gathered together with Christ in the new... That's quite a big deal to get our heads around. To see what I've written on the sheet, that might help. Look at now. I've reversed the order. Now to not yet. Now, now. What's the now in, in God's purposes? Local gospel churches... Simply gatherings of people scattered across the world. And then not yet, when Jesus Christ returns, these local gospel churches and all the local gospel churches that have been in the world through the history of the church age will be gathered together into the new creation. Local gospel churches gathering scattered across the world. That's to now. And not yet. Local gospel churches will be gathered into the new creation. Now, I hope you can begin to get your head around the significance, therefore, of being part of a living local church. Let me just pause, though, and uh, take on a a question that is legitimate. Uh, there are a lot of local churches um, that are anything but uh, united uh, behind Christ. Or local churches can be divisive and they cannot display God's glory of reconciliation to the world. And even the best local churches are compromised and mixed and flawed. Not every visible church is a living, real gospel church. And therefore, not every visible church is Christ's church. It's nothing about buildings or spires. It's about a community of people reconciled to God by God's grace united to one another by God's grace, living under God's grace, trusting God's word, depending on God. It is a community where forgiveness runs like blood through its veins, love and servant-heartedness, where belonging is how you would describe that church, not a place where people go. Now, is Chalmers that kind of church? It is. Will it remain so? Well, that's down to all of us. We must never pursue. So what is so special, second heading on the sheet about Chalmers? Nothing other than this is one of the places in the world where God is displaying to the world and to the powers of evil what the new creation will be like. 
men and women, boys and girls, young and old, heart supporters, hip supporters. And much more fundamental, well, that's quite fundamental, differences, reconcile. A place where there is love and forgiveness. A place where when people die, the family faces it with them and shepherds them through it. A place where Jesus Christ is loved and where people repent of their sins are forgiven and embraced. Chalmers, for now, is one of these places on this earth. along with other living churches all over this city and new churches that are being planted and churches all over the world. And one day when Jesus Christ returns, all these scattered outposts of heaven will be gathered in to a new creation where God will dwell with his people. What's special about Chalmers? Now, our normal answer, and rightly, is nothing. There is nothing special. But this place, this community, like other living gospel communities, could not be more special. And it's important in the right sense that we realize and understand that it is special, that it's special to belong to a living church. And so finally, and this is where we'll go in the remainder of the series, what is so special about Sundays at Chalmers? Because we're a church Monday through Sunday, because we're a family. We are reconciled to one another, gathered by God. God brings this group together. But what's so special about Sundays is that we get to meet each other, not just Sundays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Sometimes it feels like every night of the week. But what's so special about Sundays is we get to meet together and together across our three services, and I guess it would be perfect if it was just one, we get to sit together under God's Word. And it shapes us, and it changes us, and it molds us. And then we talk to one another And then we pray corporately to God, led by someone in prayer. When Laura was praying just now, it wasn't her we were listening to, it was her leading us in prayer. When Chris prayed this morning, it wasn't Chris we were listening to, it was Chris leading this community of redeemed people to the throne of God in prayer. And then we get a sing. And the Bible says we sing to one another to encourage them, and together, corporately, we sing to God. And then our gathering becomes most intimate when in our gathering we gather around a table that reminds us of the death of Jesus Christ whose church 
Chalmers is. So what's so special about Sundays? We get to meet each other in person, in obedience to God's command to listen, to speak, to sing, and to share. And in doing so, and I don't really think when we get to heaven, I think the apostles will probably say, why do you sit in rows? Where did you get that from? Why is it like a schoolroom? I know what we can do, really, sit in circles. Now, I'm not going to ask you to look at each other. I want you just to catch people's eyes or look, just glance sideways or look at the back of their heads. The best view in the house is from up here. Because you could see the faces of the people that God has gathered together in this community. Just as you glance around, what's happening on a Sunday is God is making visible before your eyes who we are. Who we are. The redeemed people of God in this local church enjoying a foretaste of the new creation. And the last note, and this is something we will sound again and again through this series, you being here. And not everyone is able, and thank God for Zoom and live streaming, to connect some of you who can't come but you being here in person really, really matters. Because it's where you belong. And we, we must believe with all our hearts that God is ahead of us, behind us, gathering this people knowing that that person needs that person and that person needs that person. And if someone is on the fringe, then that's wrong. And we need to work hard to remedy that wrong. It is really important that you are here because you belong. You belong. And God wants you to taste the new creation at least once a week, maybe twice, maybe more. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is not simple stuff to get our heads around, but we just simply pray that we will take away from this that it is a special, special thing to belong to a living local church. And a living church is not a kind of arrogant statement. It's not something we make. A living church is a, is a community of people humbled by grace, 
sinful men and women, forgiven sinners. People who love each other. Lord, help us to grasp just how special it is and that we, each of us, is not here by chance or by random, but called by God, gather together, and you really, really matter, because this is where you belong. Courage us over these weeks, we pray, as we ask these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.